Bam. Yeah. <coughs> all right. All right. We're recording. Cool. Sound hyped today, Gwen. Hyped. Do I sound hyped? I've had time to get my coffee in. Mm. Wait for like, give it about 45 minutes for the coffee to fade and then I'll just be way more chill like towards the end of this episode. Okay. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to spring a subject on you, Gwen. You're going to spring. Oh, we're going right into it. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right, let's I do this. want to know Gwen Frey because it's something people ask all the time. What tips would you give for starting a studio? You started a studio. A lot of people uh, that maybe work in AAA right now and are thinking maybe I too will start an indie studio. They want tips and advice, and you're just the lady to give it to them. Oh yeah, I, I actually get this uh, question quite a bit. You think I'd here be we like? Are. Yeah, you think I'd be pretty prepared for it. I would. Okay. <laughs> okay, so advice for starting a studio. Yes. Um, this is interesting. Most of the people that ask me that are um, <clears throat> students. Whereas yes. you, when you phrased the question, you said, I'm working, how do I leave and start a studio? Which is actually a very different question. That's actually a different way to frame it. And I, I do like that. Because um, I do think there's a... There's a lot of people out there that are working in AAA and that are thinking, ah, oh, the man doesn't know what he's doing. I could totally do it better. I could totally start a studio. Um, and th- they never ask me, which is weird because that's like kind of exactly what I did. I don't mean they, they probably shouldn't. The reality is... They probably shouldn't. No, nah, like... They the don't even do ask me. And they shouldn't. No, nah, well... the. It's so confusing because when you first start a studio and you ask each person, why were you successful if you were successful? First off, the question isn't how do I start a studio because that's that's just not the question, right? Like, no, it's... the answer to that question is, well, you go to start your one. local government, yeah. you found an out, like, yeah. you declare that you're a studio. Done. Like, yeah. The question is, how do I survive or how do i make successfully money or... make a studio so make a studio uh that goes on to produce a game okay more and that I'm, was gonna I'm, be my see I'm, that was gonna be my next question what do you how do you define success why are you doing this making a game that making is game. released and you've achieved your aim whether that the, the aim may not be we're gonna get loads of money but in my head someone that is going to leave a triple a studio probably has some sort of passion project that they want to make and that's why they're leaving to do it so exactly well you just you made a lot of assumptions right there i sure did which does make an ass of you and me (laughs) i think the important thing is to understand why you're doing this and to have to understand what your goal is is your goal to make a game that is your passion project is are you starting a studio only to make this one game Mm-hmm. that you have um that that's burning in your soul and that you really want to make are you starting a studio because your goal is to make any game so long as it's financially successful your goal is to make money um do you even really want to make a game or do you just kind of want to uh do you just want to be a big deal on the internet like what is your goal um and understanding that and understanding why you you want to start a studio is probably the single most important thing because if you don't know what your goal is then if you've come up with a solution without finding the problem first, like if you're doing this, but you don't know what your goal is, then you're already, you're already lost. You're like, mm-hmm. how do you, you, how do you know if you're successful if you haven't defined what success is? Right. I agree. 
So if you're leaving a AAA studio and you want to go start your own studio, ask yourself why. Is it because you want to be rich as shit? Mm. You and I might have some words about that. Uh, is it because you want to take a huge gamble? Is it because you've hit some kind of... Um, a, a lot of times it's because you've hit some kind of wall. Like, say you're a... Uh, say you're you're a designer and um, you're a lead systems designer um, at a studio and you realized you can never be more than a lead. You'll never be a creative director, but you feel like you should be. And this is, you feel like this is your only way to go to move up is to kind of move sideways and make your own game. I totally respect that. Um, <clears throat> in which case your, your goal should be to make a game that demonstrates you are an incredible creative director not necessarily that goes for like a cash grab mm. um and you you need to focus on, in on what your initial goal is you can have multiple goals but there has to be a couple like pillars that you're putting in the sand um otherwise you'll find yourself just doing things that you'll you'll just be unhappy eventually yeah. you'll just end up on in some other some other place um so yeah so i guess I, I launched right into it, but I, I guess my, my first tip would be to figure out why you, why you want to start a studio in the first place. Makes sense. Um, <clears throat> and then once you've informed, once you figure that out, everything else kind of falls out of that. Um, I guess the, the next big thing would be what makes you think you can do this? Why are you special? Why are you unique? What do you bring to the table that nobody else does or that is rare? Does that matter? Yes. I mean, everybody's... What makes you so special, Frey? <laughs> so what we had when we started out was, um, first off, we've all been in the industry for about a decade each, at mm -hmm. least. So we had a lot of connections. We knew a lot of people that would uh, be willing to help us out and offer advice. Um, we knew that we could... It was never a question that we would have to be on Steam Greenlight. We knew we wouldn't have to be on screen, Steam Greenlight. We knew we'd be Greenlit. Uh, that's an advantage. Being Why in AAA... Um, just because we could, we were just taken seriously out of the gate. I mean, gotcha. so, so you have to understand one of the big problems in India is just getting lost in the noise of all yes. the students, with their projects and all these games that are so many games out there. But we were, we could have this story. We are a team of people. Bioshock Infinite launched and it did super well, but the team got laid off. This is an interesting story. Um, we knew people in marketing um, that we could lean on and they would give us their connections and they would forward emails around and, and get us, help us get into the press. The, I cannot overstate how important that was and what an advantage that was. We also just have, um, I mean, a decade of experience each. We had, we had the art director from Bioshock Infinite. That's an unfair advantage almost. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's huge. Like we had, we had measurable talent on the team. Um, geez, what else did we have? Like we, we had a lot of, you had a lot going, going for you. Us. Yeah. And we leaned into them, right? Mm. Once you know what, what you bring to the table that other people don't, you can lean into that. You can be, you can say, okay, what I have is contacts. Let me write down my contacts. Let me see what my contacts can do for me. Okay. What I have is a world-class art director. Obviously, I'm not going to make a fucking voxel game. Uh, you can kind of lean into whatever it is your advantages are mm. uh, when you when you know what they are. So you got to like know yourself and and know 
you got to know what you want to do and you got to know what you have yep. uh, as resources. I'd say that's very important. Speaking of resources, Gwen. Yeah. So how did you fund yourself? You come out, you go, okay, we've got all this experience. We're going to make mm-hmm. all these games. People know who we are. But you've got a, if you're forming a studio and you're going to make a game, which is a year's, more than one year, like year long process, you need money. Yeah. Where's that going to come from? Okay. So this varies a lot by person. I'll Obviously. tell you what we did. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Like we, um, <clears throat> we funded ourselves. We got a, we each had a bit of severance from Irrational that lasted us like two months or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had about two months runway there. And then we just, all of us had enough money in the bank to survive for a couple months to put together a pitch for Kickstarter. And then we kickstarted. Mm. Um, and that was kind of, that was not actually always our plan out the gate. Initially, we thought we would make a very small game. We would take a year to make it. Um <clears throat> And then we realized we wanted to make a bigger game and we realized that some of us were not financially capable of continuing and we cast about for what are the options out there. I mean, you can go VC funding, um, but if you don't have a business degree and if you if you don't know what VC stands for <laughs> and... Uh, I'm guessing venture capitalist or venture yeah, capitalism. But, but it, it takes... Venture capitalist, having somebody invest in your studio takes um, either a rich uncle that that or somebody who's rich that's related to you guys, which is an unfair advantage. If you have that, you should take advantage of that. Um, or it takes a knowledge of how to go out and meet venture capitalists, mm. get their attention, how to market yourself to them. Um, and it takes a great deal of time. And... Uh, I'm not saying Kickstarter doesn't take a great deal of time, but you should be aware of what avenues are available to you. Um, I think venture capitalism was like the the way we were least likely to get funded. Uh, mm. We almost completely disregarded that once we found out how, how incredibly hard that was. Um, Kickstarter for us was definitely the best reaching out to the fans, especially for us. It was the best option because we had this story of being these developers yes, um, from Bioshock Infinite. So we were in the press and we knew we could kind of like lean on the crowd and lean on, on people around us. Um, there's other options, obviously. If you put together something that's unique, uh, that say you make something that uses some new technology that, that Microsoft or Sony deeply care about and you pitch it to them mm. and you say, I want to work with you. You can get funding that way. You can get funding through a publisher. Um, the reality is whoever you are out there that's listening to this, you probably have an idea of how much money you have in the bank and how you can fund this and if you want to self-fund it or not. And that's largely going to depend on your goals um, and where you personally are in your life and how much risk you're willing to assume and that sort of thing. Do you think Kickstarter is still viable now, in 2017? Um, I I think it. I I mean I think it is. Games get get funded through there all the time. I I can tell you marketing data. I can tell you that uh, there's less games. Oh man, I actually haven't looked at it recently, but there are less huge big budget games that have been funded on Kickstarter this year. But I think that might just be a side effect of there aren't. Um, 
any really famous people trying to kickstart a game. Mm. Uh, keep in mind when you go to, you don't just go to Kickstarter as like some nobody. You go to Kickstarter usually as somebody who's built some kind of following. You have some way of persuading the population to give you money. Or you have a lot of friends that have a lot of money and you just feel weird about asking for them up front. Yeah. Uh, but you get it. So you're you're in one of those two camps. Say, I mean, it's obviously isn't to your experience. But mm-hmm. because, as you say, you came out of Irrational. There was a whole press story around Irrational closing down. You are a follow-up story. It keeps you in the news. You capitalized on everything seemingly perfectly to get to the point where you're founding a company and starting a Kickstarter. But say you're someone that's working for EA right now and Mm -hmm. EA aren't closing down anytime soon, but you want to go off and make your own studio. Do you think there's still the same opportunity to get attention in the same way you did? If you just come out and say, hey, I worked on, I don't know, Madden, and I want to make this new sport thing. Absolutely. People do it all the time. Depending on where you are in your studio, if you're very high level, if you're a very senior designer specifically, like Mm. publishers love giving money to designers. But if you can say that I was the lead designer on Game with Amazing Design um, and you... You can put together a pitch deck. At that point, your best bet is probably going to a publisher. And That's what fun. I was going to say. That sounds yeah. like more you're recommending the publisher route rather than the... Because my thinking was saying, as you said, you had that audience of people that had recently really enjoyed Bioshock Infinite and mm. were probably surprised that the studio shut down, sad that they maybe weren't going to get something else. And then a group of people from that game come out and say, we want to make more stuff. So you know the pedigree, do you want to back that? And you can see the public perception of that and also the media getting behind it. But yeah, my point was, I can't see that working for someone that's not coming out of a story or anything like that. They're just a guy that worked on a game. Well, it depends. I mean, we're talking about this as kickstarting a personality. Yes. I think it, it definitely helps to be famous on Kickstarter. And so if you are Sid Meier... Sure, no. fucking Kickstarter, whatever. Uh, if you are, if you have less than ten thousand Twitter followers, mm. you might have a difficult time on on Kickstarter. If you're relying on yourself as a name, if you're relying on the game looking so amazing or having a a unique pitch, this is a direction I did not go, and it's something we haven't really talked about yet. But if you truly do have a unique idea or you're leaning into something that is an underserved niche market that you happen to know, this is a different way you can go, right? Like, Mm. this can work. If you can, um, okay, this is a bit awkward, but, like, say you want, say you spent a great deal of time as a furry. and Well, and will. You know a lot about the furry community, and you know they're an underserved community, and you have the perfect game for the furry community mm-hmm. and you can demonstrate that and you put together a video that shows it and you say hey you probably don't know me but i'm this guy and i'm famous and i'm gonna make the furry game now most people would not do that and there's probably not a lot of competition there and that is an underserved probably i imagine an i'm underserved not aware market. of i mean but then again i haven't looked but i to your point i am not aware of many furry games so there you go. And that's like some, there might be some idea in your head. You might have a connection to a market that is extremely underserved. 
Um, and I chose that one because it's like I happened to hear a story about a game like that. That uh, whatever. But like, there are That's other underserved markets out there. Yeah. Well, there there's just a lot of underserved markets yes. out there. Um, a lot of niches. And so if you can take your skill set and apply it to a market that is underserved, especially a market like the furry market is interesting because EA is probably not going to explicitly make game markets to them. Probably and not. It's, not it's that many of them. <laughs> well, that's the other part of it. Uh, if you're an indie studio, you're probably a studio with very few people. So mm. you don't need to make as much money as, say, exactly. Bethesda. Yeah. Right? You don't have to so pay you... quite as many people. <laughs> exactly. So you, you're... This goes back to how do you define success? If mm. you define success as making a lot of money for a small number of people, and you think you you have a plan to do that um, by by serving the the furry market, then so be it, right? Uh, that's that's definitely a different way you can go. I think that's probably why maybe board games do so goddamn well on Kickstarter. I do, because um, I'll say board gaming on Kickstarter is thriving, mm. um, and I think that's. I don't know if it's an underserved market, but that that to me is very interesting. Uh, I I think perhaps this is a hobby that people are very very into, and they don't have avenues like uh, Steam or any other way to, to access yeah. indie board games. So they, they I'd imagine to to Kickstarter. It's much more difficult cost wise because you have to constantly make physical products. So it, I imagine it's a little bit more prohibitive. Because you have to then get it in a shop, or you have to raise awareness somehow for people to know that they need to get it from your website. And so I can mm-hmm. kind of see how the Kickstarter model will work there. But moving along, uh-huh. uh, so you you've you've gone right. Th- we're going to make this game. This is how we're going to fund it. This well, here we are now at this early stage. Now, how important is right at the start having someone that knows business not just being a video game developer like even if you have to learn that stuff yourself like not necessarily what do you need to know but like how much should you put into that like i imagine that's quite an important part of running a business yeah you'd think so oh you would (laughs) i mean there's different ways you can go about this if you have revenue from like a publisher or something first off a publisher in america is not going to take you seriously if you haven't formed an llc yet so as soon as you have your idea and your brand and your pitch deck together you should probably form an llc mm-hmm. um, a limited liability like, company yeah prove that you have your shit together and it's going to be different in every country i'm always jealous of people in um overseas i was at a convention one time and and somebody was like complaining that their government wasn't going to fund uh, indie studios as much anymore. And that just blew my mind that mm. like the government would give you money, but that's an aside. So you're talking about um, where I'm sorry, what was the question again? Uh, the importance of having of a good grounding in actual business because yes. you've got your game, you've figured out how you're potentially going to fund the game, which is definitely a strong part of business, figuring out where money's going to come from. But I imagine there's a lot more that goes into the running of an actual company with more, potentially more than just yourself as well, because that's something else we haven't really touched on, but you're going to be potentially working with a group, stuff like that. Whatever, uh, this comes down to also 
what do you want to do in-house and what do you want to just throw money at? Like you mm-hmm. can you can throw money uh, at a company that will manage your um, payroll for you and that will manage a lot of these these things for you. Um, you can you can basically hire somebody that'll do most of the business side stuff for you. Like there's companies out there that will um, that will manage your QuickBooks and your payroll and they'll tell you what you need to do and they'll walk you through it. We didn't do that because we didn't have the money to do that. Yeah. Um, and I'll say like, this is this is embarrassing and this isn't completely on me. Um, there's been times when it's bit us in the ass and we've been very lucky. Like we founded. Um, so we founded this LLC years ago. And I guess every year we're supposed to file an annual report with the state of Massachusetts. Huh. Otherwise, they can dissolve our company. Oh. We just never, we never did that. Okay. Uh, and our, uh, we had to make an update to the um, to some stuff in our company recently, and uh, we were sent it to our lawyer. And our lawyer's like, "Well, maybe we can roll it into your next annual report. When do you do your annual reports?" And I'm like, I don't know. Oh well. <laughs> She's like, well, your your previous lawyer is probably doing that for you. Uh, Liz, Liz, Liz is awesome. Uh, and so I'm like, okay. And I call my previous lawyer, the one that set up our LLC. And I was like, hey, so you've been doing our annual reports? And they're like, no. Why would I do that? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. And so you, we call her up and, and I'm like, hey, so we've never done this. Is that a problem? She's like, kind of. <laughs> one of those like, yeah. <laughs> like, But I've been paying my taxes. Like, you about we- it. Like, no one told me this. We've been paying our company taxes. She was like, that's good. And mm. she's like, let's just file all the reports right now. Uh, <laughs> let's just do all that, of them. Yeah. It just kind of worked out. Uh, and so we've Still, been though, lucky. Very important to have that person there that knew that. Um, Is it? I mean, we're still a company. No, no, I no, mean, no, no. I mean. Oh, Liz. Oh, God. Yes. yes. Thank God for her. That's what I mean. It's very important <laughs> to have that person there who could say. You know about that, right? And you're like, what? Because that that is the way. And that uh, even with filing taxes myself and all stuff like that, it's it's those little things that crop up that you don't even know about. That yeah. And I know it's like, what can you do to know what you don't know? But I imagine there's got to be a lot of preparation and stuff like that that you could do to avoid pitfalls, like something like that, like looking into what the bureaucracy bureaucracy chris you can't talk the bureaucracy <laughs> in your local area is so you already know that like they're like oh we want an annual report rather yeah. than without your lawyer intervening them just turning up and saying hey you never filed an annual report we're closing you down what, annual report what oh they don't even tell you when they close you down that's the scary part but i think the way you're you're approaching this you have to understand when you're a small studio you're going to drop some balls. Like oh, you course, can't juggle absolutely everything. I'm just, so I'm just thinking there's going to be, if it's not that you're going to fuck up some, some business thing, it's that you're going to mess up some tech thing. You're going to wind up, uh, accruing a great deal of technical debt without realizing it because you've gone down some path. You like, you decided to use some engine that doesn't actually work on mobile. And then the years down the line, you realize you need to be mobile. Like something, these things are going to happen. Yes. You're not going to have specialists in every field on your oh, no. team. No. So uh, the question, do you need to have a, like a full-time business person? I don't think you do unless you're pretty big. Mm. And 
I know I'm saying this as somebody who's messed up like several times. Mm. Um, but for the most part, like if you, the government will forgive you if you pay a fee. Yes, they generally and will. That, if you give them money, they're generally like, all right. Doesn't even if we failed to file this annual report for like until they dissolved the company without telling us, and then we found out about it, they would have just retroactively not dissolved the company if we paid a fee. Yeah, which sucks. Um, and I'm not saying like there are nightmare scenarios where this goes bad, but there's nightmare scenarios in every field of of running a game development business. And, um, I just think having a full-time business person on your team, if you're less than five people, is a huge waste of a slot of, of, like, that's a, having somebody who cannot work on game development, uh, on your team when you're small is just not a not, it's a not starter. Like, you can't, you're small, everybody needs to be all hands on deck, you know? That makes sense. Uh, that being said, there are other ways to do it. I know guys that uh, started a company and they just kind of have a part-time person mm-hmm. uh, that that knows business. It's like a Harvard grad that's technically like owns this very small piece of their company and guides them with things like this. Or you can you reach out to your community and you ask, "Hey, what am I what am I forgetting here?" Yeah, uh, and you listen to horror stories like this podcast, and now you <laughs> probably know that you need to file annual reports. Which is very obvious if you're mm. a uh, if you're a company. If you didn't know that and you're starting an LLC, now you know that. <laughs> Do that. Uh, and so you listen to podcasts like this. You just find out things. I think that uh, speaks to the importance of being involved in the community as much as you can, be that online or in person, mm-hmm. because there's a whole wealth of knowledge out there. Yes, absolutely. We didn't talk about how do you build your team. Because we that's not. entirely very personal too. To Let's talk about know? that. What what did unfair advantages do your partners bring? What are what are you giving them in return for being part of your studio? When are you bringing them on? Who are you starting the studio with? Who are you waiting until you have funding to to bring on? That sort of thing. Um, there's a a lot of questions that arise when you start a studio. Uh, so much of your team composition initially is going to be. If I, I'm assuming you're starting. As a person in, in AAA, um, that that that's the groundwork. That that's the that's the person I'm imagining listening to this podcast right now. Right. So if you're starting out in AAA, um, you are maybe the most likely scenario, unless you've been laid off or there's a major studio closure. The best case scenario, by the way, is you work at a studio that is successful, something like maybe Midway. Mm. Uh, a very large studio shuts down in a city that does not have a lot of other game development. And then, bam, all of a sudden, startups spring up like grass. Uh, there's a ton of talent that is unable to move. And the um, they are forced to go indie, which is the, the best case scenario because then nobody can back out. Mm. Uh, which is terrible to say. But that is true. Anytime a, a major studio shuts down in a city that doesn't have a lot of other studios, that's when you tend to see a lot of really good startups. Um, another way to do it, uh, which is generally, I suppose, a uh, high rate of failure, but much safer, is you're at a studio, that studio is stable, you really want to go indie for XYZ reasons, which you should know. Um, mm-hmm, as we had discussed. Yes. Uh, 
you're working on a game after hours in your spare time, um, getting together a pitch to pitch to publishers. Mm. Uh, if you were doing this, uh, the first question I would ask you is, I, w- I would loop back to why are you doing this? And are you actually just really unhappy at work? Uh, and are you just making a game on the side because you're unhappy at work? Or do you actually have like a reason that you want to do this? And if you let's assume you have a reason uh, and it's compelling. Um, the reason is probably going to drive who's on your team. Like if yes. the reason is I have this game in my soul and I need to make it no matter what. Mm. Um, then your problem, your staffing plan is, or who you, the first thing you're going to do is go out and find somebody else and be like, I have this game in my soul and I want to make it no matter what. And I want to make it with you because I need your skills specifically. Yeah. Uh, and depending on the game that is in your soul, you're going to, you're going to pick people that will help you make that game. If your goal is, I want to be a small business owner and I want to make a shit ton of money. Um, then your approach is different. Then you're going around and you're like, who else is like-minded and wants to start a small business in this town? Um, and how are we going to do it? And then you you pick your partners differently. Um, you probably have an array of skill sets. You'll probably end up making a game based on the talent that you can, can convince to join you in this venture. Um, and that's more... You're going to make a game based on the people you have in your studio rather than making a studio based on around a game. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, and there's a million other ways to do it. I'm just saying like it, it, uh, what your goal is will def- will determine who you probably want to work with. Yeah. And you don't want to have a lot of fat here. Like you don't want to have people on your team for no reason. That's just not going to pan out. Mm. Um, starting an indie studio is difficult. Um, it, convincing people to stay like it's easy to people get really excited about working on side work but say like your full time job starts crunching and you suddenly get really into it which could happen to anybody at your studio the second that happens they'll peace out most yeah. likely or they they find a new opportunity that's really exciting somewhere else they move to China they get hit literally hit by a bus like <laughs> things happen yeah i know yeah yeah (laughs) that makes a lot of sense and like you say that's it's super important to get that composition right i mean there's a lot that goes into that yeah i think i'd like to put a pin in it there gwen if you don't mind absolutely this has been fun yeah i think i like i say i'd like to hear more from like you guys that are listening on this topic like things you might want to know advice you might want to give Stuff like that, because... Oh, yeah, give me advice. Actually, if anybody here has weird business tips uh, to tell me, that would be great. Because, like, we can't keep not filing annual reports. We are technically a real company. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I've got your game on my Xbox. Like, you're you're legit. It's theoretically, I guess. Yeah, you're a real thing. I pay my taxes. File taxes, kids. It's very important. Make sure you pay them. Is Jesus. it? We haven't tested this. Let's see if uh, what you happens. You want to find out what happens when you don't? <laughs> we, I can give it a go. I mean, I've got a payment yeah. coming up in July. So it's like, maybe I just don't pay it. <laughs> see what they do. Uh, yeah, well, it depends on your uh, your tolerance for risk, I suppose. Right? 
I hear there's rich people that pay like no taxes yeah, at all and just kind of get away that. with it for years. I know. It's possible, right? I'm getting letters and emails and I ain't even due for months. Well, these guys, they're not even stressing about that. I know. Crazy. Clearly but yeah, do get in touch something. with us. Where, uh, each of us are on Twitter. Dire Goldfish and uh, Chris Slight. And Dialogue Box Cast is our Twitter address. You can reach us there. Or leave a comment on SoundCloud. I know most of the time, whenever we get a comment, they come on SoundCloud. So hmm. please feel free to leave a comment on there as well. We see them all. But thank you for listening. Yeah, this has been Gwen Frey and Chris Slight, and you've been in the Dialogue Box.